You're listening to audio from Pillar Church of Jacksonville, where our goal is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you have questions or want to know more about us, and can text Pillar to 94000 or visit our website at pillarjacks.com. With foster care and adoption. Everybody has that mission memorized now, don't they? I'll say it one more time. So our organization exists to inform, inspire, and intertwine the local church with foster care and adoption. And so I uh, just want to show you guys a, a picture of my family real quick up here and introduce you guys to them. This is our uh, fun family here. Um, that's me in the top right, in case anybody was wondering. And that is my beautiful wife, Mandy, of almost 14 years uh, holding the baby. Uh, our oldest is in my left arm there. That's Cervante uh, Marburger. He was adopted last year, um, and he has been living with us for a, a year and a half now. Um, and in, in, in front of me is Isaiah James Marburger. He is six, almost seven. He'll be seven in August, so I guess not almost seven, but he's uh, six and a half, as he would tell you. And uh, he has been with us since he was five days old and has uh, been adopted for about four years now, I think. This is uh, Hattie Michelle in my wife's arms, and she is not officially adopted yet. She's been with us since she was about five days old as well. And uh, that is um, Beckett Marburger. He is our son. He has uh, been um, with us since he was in his mom's tummy uh, in early 2010. And he will be, uh, he's 10, and he'll be 11 in October. There you go. All these kids and all these birthdays. And then that's Scarlet Faith Marburger. She was adopted last year as well. She has been with us since she was four years old. And uh, so that is our family as of right now. And so we've been foster parents um, for about seven years now. And uh, the Lord has just uh, grown it into who we are. And it's cool the way um, our obedience is so linked to our joy. And I've seen that in foster care as, as difficult as it's been. Um, and so we have had about 10 placements come in and out of our house over those seven years. And that is where our passion for foster care and adoption comes from. Now, I'm going to throw up a quote there by a, a Scottish theologian. His name's Henry Scoogle. And I want you guys to think about this. This is, was uh, what Brian was talking about as well. But the worth and the excellency of the soul can be measured by the object of your love. The worth and the excellency of your soul can be measured by the object of its love. And so I want you to think about that right now. Think about that in your heart of hearts. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the football games tonight. That's something that my uh, soul looks forward to to a certain extent, hopefully in the right place, right? And I saw some Bengals and some uh, Rams fans out there. I'm just kidding. The only two uh, shirts I saw were the, the Chiefs and the uh, 49ers. There you go. There's the 49ers. So I'm just picking on you guys. Uh, but what does your soul revel in? What is your soul? What makes your soul leap? And I pray it has something to do with the gospel. And so we're going to talk about that. sixty-five kids in the foster care system in Onslow County. 165 kids. And there's 48 licensed foster parents right now. And so you guys can see those numbers and you can see the, the great need. But uh, early on today, I just want our hearts to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ and then how that fleshes out into our adoption. Uh, but while we were singing, uh, my heart was just drawn to, 
uh, to worship with you guys on your knees. And so if you guys can take a posture of humility, if you're physically able and if you don't have a baby in your arms and just bow and make your seat a throne. I've been reading Exodus lately and, and, uh, and when Moses was on the mountain, God said, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And so I want to create that atmosphere in the room this morning, and I want us to, to get onto our knees before Christ as we pray and make this holy ground this morning. So let's pray together. Oh, Father, you are so good. You are so kind. I feel so unworthy to be here, Lord. I thank you so much that it's that unworthiness uh, partnered with your worthiness, Lord, that makes us completely equipped to be here today. And I just pray right now for every heart in here at the Pillar Church. Jesus, you know the excitement in my soul and in my spirit for coming here this weekend, Lord. And Jesus, that the directions of some people's lives are going to be changed from today on, Lord. I thank you for that, Father. I just pray right now uh, that we would know what is your best, what is a good, perfect, and pleasing will, Lord, in our lives. Because in each of our lives, that's one thing I love about you, Father, is it's so different. And Jesus, not everybody in here is, is called to be a foster parent, Father. Uh, but there are some that are called to be foster parents, Father. And so I pray right now, even in the stirring and the spirits, Lord, that there would be a steadfastness, Jesus, that there would be an immovableness uh, that's created by confidence in you and nothing else. Father, we want our lives to, to be on the altar. Jesus, we know that this is holy ground. And so I pray for myself right now today, Jesus, that nothing would be said that's outside of what you would want me to say. I just pray that you would hide me behind your cross. I thank you so much, Father, for your promise from Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 that no wise or persuasive word is ever going to change a heart, Lord. It's only the demonstration of your spirit. So I pray for that demonstration of your spirit right now, humbly, Lord. It's in your precious and perfect name we pray. Amen. Amen. I like it. The first point today, I want to, to really continue to drive across this worth and the excellency of the soul quote, is the idea that, that is this an option or an opportunity? And I'm going to read to you James 127, probably the most uh, uh, famous verse on this topic. Uh, but it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So if you will, just underline, if you turn there, that uh, phrase, to visit. Um, we're going to look at that a little more in depth here in a minute. Uh, but keep that in the back of your mind, that pure religion is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress. And then this option or opportunity, the Lord gave uh, this kind of idea to me last year, um, and the idea stems that we're all called to something, right? Everybody in here that says that you're a believer of Christ is called to give your life to something and to do it with as much passion and as much conviction as you can do it. And so an option here in this foster care world, an option denotes that you are in control. 
An option denotes that you are in control, but an opportunity denotes that there is a God of the universe that knows what is going to save you from a life of selfish misery. And how often our flesh fights against that. There's constantly, especially in in our hearts and minds, with different foster care and adoption opportunities, it can sometimes become oppressive, right? And it can sometimes look like it's uh, meant to steal our joy, when in all actuality, God desires our joy at the end of our lives of obedience. We're all called to something. Now going back to that, to that little phrase, to visit. I started to look at that a little more. And in, in, in sermons past, I've, I've told people just to do a little word study. But I just wanted to lay down here um, with you guys for a little bit. Because that, that word in the Greek carries such connotations that I feel like to visit just, just isn't quite enough. And the, the root word is epi, E-P-I. And this root word epi means to inspect. And then uh, episkatme is the the Greek word. That second phrase in that word means to select. So this word to visit, originally in the language of of the half-brother of Jesus, he meant to say to inspect and then to select. And I thought about the foster care world and and it just really this week really hit me square in the face as I was beginning and, and, and preparing this message that how often in my life is the opposite thing to inspect and then to select the overlooked and the underprivileged of this world. And a cross reference to this phrase, episcopate, is found in Matthew 25, 36. And I'm going to turn with you, turn there real quick and just read this to you because it's such a beautiful passage that a lot of us know. And it's talking about, you know, the least of these. You know, when did, when did we do this for you? Is basically the, the heart of the disciples. And Jesus says, when you did this to the least of me, to the least of these. It says in verse 36, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then skip down to verse 40, and he says, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then in verse 43, right below that is the negative side of this, which I think is our warning today, Pillar Church. It says, I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, in verse 43. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. You didn't inspect, and then you didn't select. And look at the result. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So Pillar Church, I believe it's very clear here in Matthew that how we view the least of these and how we view the overlooked in this world and the marginalized and these 165 kids in Onslow County is directly proportionate to how much we've been impacted by the gospel. And I pray for your hearts right now that you would see this as an opportunity, that it's not an option, that God doesn't say, I I see James 1.27 as a command. Pure religion. Who wants to have pure religion? I know I do. It says to look after, visit, 
the orphans and the widows in their distress. To view them, to see them, and then to select them. What a beautiful picture of the gospel that is as well. Because that's what Jesus did for us. Two words that in our house I really try to uh, emphasize are lordship and dependence. Lordship and dependence. Because as we push people into this um, world of foster care and adoption, it comes with its uh, individual sets of challenges and, and, and trials that exist because it's all predicated on sin, right? God set it up for a mother and a father to take care of a child that's born to them. But Satan has gotten into the world and steal, stolen, he's killed, and he's destroyed some of these family units. And so we're not to meet it blindly saying, oh, this is going to be all roses and it's going to be a walk through the meadows because we're in a battle. And you know what I saw very clearly, and we're reading a book as a staff by David Platt that I see very clearly in these 165 kids in Onslow County that there's a war going on for their soul. And if somebody doesn't step in and become a champion for them, then the enemy has a strong foothold. And not that God can't save them after they turn 18, but the statistics for kids that age out of foster care is just dismal when it comes to sex trafficking and different things after they're 18. And so our hearts is to push as many people into obedience in this area as we can and then to build a support system around them. I want to look at uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 with you. And we're going to have this on the screen. But as you're turning there, uh, going back to that idea of option or opportunity, I think there's something that the Lord's really revealed in my heart that I didn't realize was there through this foster care journey is that there is oftentimes, and hear, hear these words carefully and closely, there's an oppression in obedience. And this doesn't mean that there's an oppression in the sense of uh, that it's not what God wants. There's an oppression uh, after obedience when Jeff Marburger takes his eyes off of Jesus Christ. And so this, I liken it to foster care to Peter when Peter gets out of the boat and he says, Jesus, I want to walk to you. There's a storm all around. He says, I want to walk to you. And this obedience to God, there was a faith in God, right, in Jesus that Peter said, okay, I'm going to step out of the boat. I've always thought, you know, that's an interesting thought process that I wouldn't, wouldn't get out of a boat when it's storming and there's waves crashing. He says, let me walk on the water to you. And there was an immediate... Uh, act of faith by Peter, right? There was an obedience. But then once he stepped out of the boat, there was this oppression that took place because the enemy wasn't done fighting, right? And there was a, a falter of his faith. And he fell into the waves, right? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus and he didn't have him fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of his faith. And I pray, church, that as many of you are in this and as many of you step into this, that you would realize that the instant step of obedience and faith towards foster care requires a constant steps of obedience every day from here until that child is yeah, 56. I don't know, I'm just throwing out an H. It never ends, right? There's a constant giving of them to Christ and there's a constant pointing of them to Christ and there's a constant within your heart of hearts knowing that God called you to this in this moment. And so He is faithful and just to bring it to completion if we're patient and we wait on Him.
Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Do you believe that line this morning? The purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That will being that you can't have biological children. Do you trust that? Do you trust God to be good even when the circumstances look dismal? So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Second point, and, and simply what I want you to do is to hear God speaking to your soul this morning. When I run through these 11 points, it's simply going to be God talking to you from Ephesians 1. The second point is that adoption is in Him, through Him, and to Him. I thought such a cool example, 30 years after planning this church is, is approximately when scholars think that Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. And I love the tone of the text in this greeting. Paul's in prison. This is one of the prison epistles. But look at that verbiage. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That Paul's focus is so much on Jesus that his circumstances can't touch him. Oh, to be there. So again, I want you to, to think these, of these points through God speaking to your spirit. Number one, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. See that in verse three. Every spiritual blessing. Circle that word every. I have it circled in my Bible. Because every spiritual blessing that you have is exactly what God wants you to have. And the exact portion of grace that God has allotted to you. Number two, I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. Verse 4a, I have chose you, chosen you before the foundation of the world. Think about that in light of Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards you. That while you were the worst sinner, while you were at your worst, Christ died for you. That was when the act 
of justification happened on the cross when Jeff Marburger was at his worst and a complete enemy of the cross. What a beautiful picture of that. I see that in our uh, physical lives uh, as, as the road we've chosen. I'll never forget. My wife and I had a really difficult time um, conceiving a child, and we didn't know if we were going to be able to. And so we went through the foster care and adoption classes through uh, MAPS there in Cleveland County. We call it in Cleveland County. Um, and uh, finished up the 10th week of the class, um, which is the last week, found out that Mandy was pregnant with Beckett. And, uh, you know, God, God blessed us in that way. I don't know why, but he did. But by that point, he had brought us so close to foster care and adoption that we couldn't turn away. And uh, I'll never forget, we, we dove back into foster care and adoption after Beckett, I think, was about two, two or three. We, were, we, we said, okay, we've, we figured this parenting thing out. We've got it all handled. We'll jump back into foster care. That's a lie. But uh, we said we, we were ready to, to, to move towards foster care. And so we finished up our license. I'll never forget Friday. Uh, we were at the beach on vacation. What was it? It must have been August. End of August, because Isaiah's birthday is August 27th. But we were on vacation at the end of August. Got the email. Hey, your license has been approved. Everything is done. You can get a call at any, any, any day. And so that Monday, I'm at the office. I was working at a, at a church plant at, at the time. And uh, I'll never forget Mandy, the phone, the phone ringing. And there was, uh, you know, we had been excited about the, the foster care and adoption journey. We are excited to get our first placement. And so we get the call, and, and I can tell in my wife's voice that there's not a whole lot of excitement there. And so I, I, I hear, and I, I, uh, I'm listening to just her speak, and as the, the story goes about this uh, precious child of God is that his, his mother had uh, HIV, was HIV positive, and was also doing um, some, some pretty heavy drugs while she was pregnant with this child, which is now our son, Isaiah. And so the trepidation is then, okay, we have a biological child that we're thinking about where, uh, you know, uh, HIV, we learned at the time, was a, a very transient disease. Um, there's no way to be 100% sure if the child has not uh, been transmitted HIV until they're three months old through a blood test. Um, you can tell with fairly, fairly certainty, if that sentence makes any sense to anybody, with fair certainness um, that the child does not, and he had tested negative at the start. And so there was that, um, you know, that confidence, but there was also that, okay, we have a biological son to think about. You know, there's going to be um, different times when uh, these, there's going to be some uh, contact with bodily fluids that is there, right? And, and, you know, praise God and His sovereignty. We um, prayed about it and, and, and um, you know, God led us to say yes. And three months later, we found out that uh, Isaiah did not have uh, HIV. But there was that moment in time where the Holy Spirit said, you know, who are you to play God in this situation? This child has done nothing to warrant this type of fear and these circumstances that are totally out of his control. And then you think about Romans 5, 8 in light of that. And you choose that God chose Jeff Marburger when he was the ugliest of the uglies. And the response to that is that, hey, we dive into dark situations that seem hopeless. 
with the confidence that God is our Savior and our protector and His sovereign design conquers all sin. I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. Believe that this morning, Pillar Church, that a God of the universe, the Creator, chose you before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye. Number three, I have what's best for you. I see that in verse 4b there. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. That holy and blameless before Him is such an incredible phrase. That we should be holy and blameless. And this goes back to that idea of dependence in each one of your hearts. That there's something in your life that creates dependence on Jesus. And if there's not anything that creates dependence on Jesus, then I believe that you've been lulled to sleep by the cares of this world. What in your life creates dependence on Jesus? Because it's through that dependence that God creates that holiness and blamelessness that He wants to see us standing before the throne. And He wants to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What's best for you? I have brought you into my family. Number four. I have brought you into my family. God has brought you into His royal priesthood. That He chose you before the foundation of the world. And now you are a prince of the Most High. A priest of the Most High. I love this example of foster care and adoption and how this fleshes out in our house and there's different things about our family that's unique, that's, you know, each one of you have your, your own things with life. But I love the picture that foster care and adoption gives us of the gospel. Because Isaiah, Isaiah loves ranch on his pizza. You know why Isaiah loves ranch on his pizza? Because his daddy loves ranch on his pizza. You know why Cervantes loves and looks forward to watching the AFC and NFC championship game tonight? Because Beckett loves sports and looks forward to watching the NFC Championship and AFC Championship game tonight. Do you know why Michelle walks around with her attitude? <laughs> because she has a sin nature. But do you know why Isaiah loves to try to quote the book of Philippians? Because his older brother can quote the book of Philippians. Do you know why Isaiah loves to run around in his underwear? Because his dad, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because his brothers love to run around in their underwear. And you see, this culture of the Marburger family just continues to permeate through these ones that spend time and intentional time with our family. Does that define your life as a, as a son or a daughter of the Most High? Every day are you becoming more like Him? Do your reactions look more gentle? Do they look more kind? Do they look more patient? Or are you still prone to anger and bitterness and envy and jealousy? Because those marks or whether you are a true Christian, or whether you have said a prayer and there's no lordship and dependence on God the Father. 
And so I pray today, Pillar Church, whatever it is in your life, that there's a dependence on Jesus. Number five, I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. Think about that statement. I have redeemed you. Number six, some of you need to hear this this morning. And this is straight from God's word. I have forgiven you. You see that in verse 7b. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That God has forgiven you. That God has forgiven you. That there is nothing that you did last night or six years ago or 15 years ago that keeps the creator of the universe, the savior of your life from forgiving you. Live in forgiveness. There's freedom there. Number seven. I love this one. I have lavished all my love upon you. Verse eight. I see that in verse 8 here. I have lavished all my love upon you. I love that word can also be translated as luxurious. I have luxuriously given you all of my love. We got to uh, stay in New Bern uh, last night and we woke up and there was this beautiful view of the river that we could look out our window and see. And I thought, man, that's beautiful. That is luxurious. And then I started to think, what about heaven? How much more beautiful is heaven going to be than that? And may we pause and think that God has luxuriously given you all of his love and that he goes to prepare a place for you. And he's going to come again and receive us unto himself. Do we believe that? Do we live like that? Number eight. Three more points here. I have made you an heir. An heir to the throne. I think about this through the, the adoption process. And every single thing that my kids live in, walk in to a certain degree, they're welcome to anything in our refrigerator, right? doesn't matter if they're a biological child. It doesn't matter if they're an adopted child. Everything that we leave them, we will leave to them each separately. God willing, they all choose to magnify Jesus with their lives. But there's such a, a promise in being an heir to the throne of Christ versus an heir to the throne of a Marburger household, right? There's a cattle on a thousand hills that our Father owns. And He wants to give it to you. It takes good pleasure. And giving it to you. Number nine, I have sealed you with my spirit. Verse 13b, I have sealed you with my spirit. I believe with 100% of my being that every single child, once they are officially a Marburger, will never, ever not be a Marburger. It doesn't matter what they say. They could turn 18 and say, no, I wasn't adopted. But I've got a seal from the state of North Carolina with a letter on it that says, oh, yes, you were. And that's what Jesus does for you. I love this picture of adoption that adoption gives us uh, with eternal security. I believe that there are certainly people that are 
that think they're saved, that have never experienced the true love of the gospel that will not be in heaven. But once the grace of Christ grabs you and controls you and He chooses you, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to not be saved. He has sealed you with His Spirit. Number 10, I have guaranteed your eternity. I see this in verse 14a. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. God is keeping it safe for us. Number 11, the last one. I have done this to bring glory to my name. I love this picture. And I think sometimes in churches we magnify the story more than we magnify Jesus. What I simply mean by that is in heaven we're not going to be saying, oh, look at the sinner that got in. Look at that person that turned their life around. Miraculously, that's a beautiful picture. But the end game is the magnification of Jesus. Glory is your name. And that's what foster care and adoption is all about. It's all about the magnification and the glory of Jesus' name. As man-